Welcome to Daily Gospel, equipping you to know God through His Word and His Son, Jesus Christ. My name is Keith, and this is Brandon, and we are pastors here in Santa Cruz, California, at Gospel Community Church. Welcome to our second year of Daily Gospel. Last year we finished the Old Testament, and this year we are finishing the New Testament. Is that a drum roll? Yeah, that was that a drum was a roll. Weak drum roll. <laughs> is that more like a machine gun? I can't tell the that difference. Was good. Anyway, the New Testament. Who saw it coming? They all thought we were going to go to the Well, the Lord saw it coming first and foremost because he yeah. sees all things. But yeah. anywho, so this so year we're going to do... that or Book of Mormon. We could have done Book wow. of Mormon. Wow, wow. Okay, we could have done that. Man, maybe maybe we should do books like that one year just for fun. Just to trash them? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, it'd be great little episodes. Anyway, so this year we're tackling the New Testament. It's going to be awesome. We're going to go through the whole thing. Um, but as you know, or maybe you don't know, between the Old Testament and the New Testament, there's a big gap of... Uh, history that isn't talked about in the scriptures. Yes. Well, it's talked about somewhat, but there's 400 years that we have not a lot of clarity about, and honestly, a lot of Christians don't know about. Yeah. So what we want to do before we actually get into the New Testament, we want to talk about what's called the intertestamental period. And so that's the time from when the last book in the Old Testament was written and the first book in the New Testament was written. So we're going to talk about some history. We're going to talk about the important things that have happened, um, things that Christians should know, and Honestly, it's really fascinating for how we enter into the story of the New Testament because it really, it's it's just fascinating. Historically, it's fascinating from a Christian perspective. Yeah, it's yeah. super helpful to, yeah. to learn some of the stuff because if you re- read the Bible straight through, which you're probably not if you're doing with us, where you're reading both simultaneously, but mm-hmm. to go from the end of the Old Testament to the New Testament, there's a lot of things that have changed and there's no explanation given. You're just supposed to know as you come into the text, right? I mean, <laughs> yeah. So, like, for example, you know, w- w- why is the New Testament written in Greek and not Hebrew? Right. That's yeah. a big question. And on- honestly, a reduced today wouldn't even know the difference. That's all in English. That's true. <laughs> but it's clearly very culturally different. Why are there right. Romans in the Holy Land? Right, yeah. Where do they come from, <laughs> yeah. right? Who, who are the Pharisees and Sadducees? Right. We don't see them in the Old Testament, but then they appear and they're really big. What's the Sanhedrin? Where do these, what are these synagogues? What is this all about? Who are guys like Herod and Pilate? Yeah. Um, you know, and... What about these books known as the Apocrypha? Mm-hmm. Maybe you're wondering about those too. Yeah, we've and, had questions recently, like from people at our church, like why why is in the you know why is First Second Maccabees not in the Bible? Yeah, you know, yeah, so, and we won't get into all those things, but just to generally say, here's sort of what happened between clarifies a lot of these things, right? And especially why did God choose this moment in history mm. to send Jesus? Right. You know, Galatians four four says, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth. His son. Mm-hmm. So why is this the fullness of time? Why is this moment right. the pivotal moment? And right. really, I think when you look at the history, you can start to put together the pieces and say, it makes sense in the wisdom of God mm-hmm. why he would choose this moment and why he would move all these pieces of history to set up for the coming of his son and the rapid spread of the gospel to the nations. Right. It's, it really couldn't have happened in a different time in history, right. I think you could argue. So... So yeah, so let's. I guess let's get into it. Awesome. We're so, just. Gonna, it's going to be a quick rundown. We're not. I mean, there's so much we could talk about here. I just want to give you an overview mm-hmm. for your own benefit. Right. So what happens after the Old Testament? Right. Well, okay. So when we last left our our heroes, our uh, <laughs> our story, they were they had been allowed to rebuild the temple. They were under mm-hmm. the rule of the Medo Persian Empire. Right. And they were kind of waiting. Right. So there were there was some more independence, but they were still under this other empire. Right. Well. 
by the time the New Testament arrives, the Medo-Persian Empire is gone. I mm. mean, completely right. you know, obliterated, really. And that happened because of a man named Alexander the Great. Ah, oh, the Great. Very famous person in human history, obviously. So who was Alexander the Great? He was the son of Philip of Macedon. So he was a Macedonian prince who became king. He was tutored by this guy. I had never heard of this guy. Uh, Aristotle? <laughs> Aristotle? <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> kind of a big guy. Wait, who was Aristotle's teacher? Plato. Wait, that's crazy. I've never heard of him either. Me neither. I Wait, like who is Plato's teacher? Uh, Socrates. Oh my word! You know how I remember wow. this? I, I, th- this is this is terrible. You probably just made up some. No, or yeah. Something. So yeah. Socrates, Plato, Aristotle—they're all sitting in a spa together. S P A. Does that does just blow your mind? That does blow Amazing. my mind. I just but, remember uh, the names, but you know. But then <laughs> Alexander the Great, so it's like a spa. But anyway, um, so so Alexander being tutored by this you know, one of the greatest minds in history. Mm-hmm. He had this vision, not just to conquer the world, but to bring the beauty of Greek culture, the sophistication of Greek culture to these lands that were barbaric, right? right? To to bring this culture mm-hmm. and the process uh, that this is referred to as is Hellenization. Okay. Hellenization. That sounds a lot like not that. It's Hellenization, when I think of that as an English speaking person, I'd be like, you want to hellify everything? <laughs> it's, 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 it's from the Greek word for Greek, with helis. Heli, I don't know how you pronounce it. Yeah. But so it's like, it's basically saying the Greekification right. of the world is kind of the idea. I don't know if you ever think yeah. that when I read that. I've never, <laughs> never thought that. But So he wanted to unite these nations, and he wanted to use the culture of the Greeks as a way to do it. And so right. he became king at 20 years old mm-hmm. when his father was assassinated. Bummer. And which happens a lot, right? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and he was a an absolute genius on the battlefield. Mm-hmm. He was an absolute genius. That's I mean, why he's called great. Yeah, the yeah. great. Yeah. yeah, his. I mean, his tactics are still taught in military schools today. It's crazy. So I mean, he he was an amazing uh, man in a lot of ways, and he conquered a massive par- portion of the world. Mm-hmm. So he never went west to Italy. Probably should have done that to stop Rome, who came and wiped him out. But. Um, you know, from Greece and Macedon all the way to India. He got Whoa, as far as crazy. India. So uh, unbelievable the, the amount of land that he conquered. Hmm. And he conquered it in his, you know, 12 years, 13 years of ruling. Right. So he, I mean, he just, he was, um, he was going nuts. And he had some really audacious plans for the world. Mm-hmm. So he had these building projects he wanted to do. He had, you know, more places he wanted to conquer. He wanted to go into, you know, Africa and all these different places and exploration as well. Mm-hmm. He had, I mean, really audacious plans. But at the age of 32 or 33, Alexander died. Wow. Sort of unexpected, obviously unexpected death. So in 323 BC, he dies and his kingdom is split into multiple pieces Mm. so there's sort of this you know ongoing you know his his baby son is like you know installed as a as a co-regent and all these things but how it pans out is that his kingdom is split into four different kingdoms so the people that come out on top are his four generals who take over these four different regions Mm. so the most important for the new testament are the ptolemies who end up in egypt so that's um you know the ptolemaic Empire, so to speak, and the Seleucids, who are in Mesopotamia. So originally, Israel was in the hands of the Ptolemies, and then later it fell into the hands of the Seleucids. So they mm. they took it over. So by the time of Jesus, the Seleucids are the ones in charge. Right now, there's this you know line of kings, obviously that rule 
Mm-hmm. And the most important one for our purposes is a man named Antiochus the Fourth. Mm-hmm. So he referred to himself as Antiochus Epiphanes. Epiphanes, which Epiphanes means uh, God manifest, essentially. Wow. It just means manifest, but it's basically saying I'm I am God in the flesh. What's the thing with like dictators and rulers and great military minds to call themselves gods? I don't know. That's yeah, weird. It's like they're prideful or something. Yeah, weird. I don't know. It's like it's like maybe it goes back to Genesis three or something. <laughs> um, but his enemies didn't call him Epiphanes. This, they this called him great. Epimenes, which means nutso. <laughs> Crazy. The, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the insane. mad. The mad would be like you know, <laughs> the the insane guy. So. <laughs> He thought he was God manifest. They thought he was crazy. Well, yeah, he he was a little crazy. He, I mean, yeah. <laughs> Again, calling yourself God. Up until this point, uh, Judea had been given a lot of freedom of worship, so right. they they kind of proved themselves hard to govern. And so instead of forcing the the Roman, the Greek deities, I should say, on uh, Israel, they allowed them to have some freedom of worship. Right. So Judaism was still being practiced, even though, even though the Hellenization process was still going yeah, on. Yeah. Exactly. No. But Antiochus, <laughs> due to some events that you know don't want to get into, but he essentially got upset. He outlawed. He he reversed this and he outlawed Judaism. He outlawed the practice of Judaism. Never do that. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and he did this through horrible persecution. So this happened in 168 BC, and it culminated in one of the most horrifying acts mm. uh, in Jewish history, which is that he sacrificed a pig right. on the altar of the temple. Also, don't do that. Do not do that. Yeah. So, and this this was considered this is considered by many a partial fulfillment of what we see in Daniel chapter nine. Mm. This idea of someone who's going to end temple worship and desecrate the temple. Mm. So there was a rebellion under you know with this group called that are referred to as the Maccabeans. So the Maccabeans re- revolted against Antiochus Epiphanes. Yeah. And the brothers that led that revolt, referred to as as the Maccabeans, their family name was the, the Hasmoneans. So or Hasmonians, I forget Hasmonians. I think is the right mm-hmm. pronunciation. So it started with Matthias. So one of these uh, Hasmonean brothers, basically, he was a priest, and he said, "I'm not going to worship the Greek gods." Right. And he actually, I think, killed one of his fellow Jews who started to work to do idolatry, idolatrous worship. So he killed another one of the priests and then he ran into the, the mountains, the caves or whatever. So that sort of sparked this rebellion mm. led by these uh, brothers. And the the leader of the brothers was Judas Maccabeus. Mm. So he Judas he got the nickname Maccabeus, which means the hammer. <laughs> yeah. That's, yeah, that's pretty, cool. pretty awesome. Yeah. yeah. So they're referred to the group is referred to as the Maccabeans. And they actually gained independence from the Seleucids mm-hmm. for, for a time, and they cleansed the temple, and this you know, was where the festival Hanukkah comes from. Yep. So there was this revolt, this uh, revival, so to speak. It was yeah. a beautiful thing. I don't know why I never heard the story um, about the Maccabean revolt growing up. I just heard Hanukkah, and I was about like a menorah and some dreidels and stuff like that. Yeah. That's a cool story. It's a great story. And you don't hear about it. Yeah, it really is a great story. Um, and it and it shows sort of this resilience of God's people, this desire yeah. for pure worship. And it it's interesting to me. It's it's very different from what we saw in the Old Testament, where they were totally glad yeah, to embrace true, huh? yeah. idolatry. Yeah, like yeah, give us more idols. <laughs> and here they they learned a lesson, and they're fighting against this mm. for purity. And so through this, you have some different terms that come up. The different things we see in scripture. So this is where you get Hellenistic Judaism. Mm-hmm. So Judaism that's sort of you know in some way combined with 
uh, Greek culture. Right. This is where you get the the idea of the second temple Judaism. So it really started with the building of the second temple. Hmm. But the temple that we see in Jesus's time is really the third temple. Right. But it's still referred to as the second temple Judaism. It's confusing to me. But <laughs> Herod the Great was the one who built the temple of Jesus's day. Mm-hmm. Now Herod the Great was, you know, one of these kings, these Hasmonean kings. He actually was a uh, was an Idumean, he was an Edomite, but he was in that line. So he, so that's why you see a Roman ruler, you see Pilate is the governor of that area, and then Herod is the king. Hmm. So it's kind of confusing for us, but that was because of the different you know realms of authority that they had. Right. Now, Herod the Great was also a, a fascinating historical figure. Mm-hmm. Herod, if you go to Israel today, that Herod the Great is going to come up a ton mm. when you go see different sites. Yeah, this was built by Herod the Great. <laughs> this was built by Herod the Great. You can still go that so the second temple or Herod's temple is destroyed. It's not there anymore. The Temple Mount is now, you know, has a mosque on it, has right. the Dome of the Rock on it. But you can actually go underground um, alongside the temple and you can see these stones that were the foundation of mm. Herod's temple. Crazy. And some of these stones, I mean they're they're like hundreds of tons. They're massive stones, and they still today aren't totally sure how they transported these stones. Well, wow. you know, I, I mean, aliens maybe. I just <laughs> I I've seen History Channel, um, but anyway, th- these incredible uh, achievements. And so he he wanted to win favor with the people, so he built this majestic new temple, mm-hmm. and it was an amazing building. It didn't I'm sure live up to Solomon's temple, but it was bigger than the the temple that was rebuilt right. during Ezra and Nehemiah's day. Yeah. You also will see these sects pop up. The Sadducees and the Pharisees are mentioned quite a bit. Yeah, this in is the, valuable for us because New Testament, like where these groups come from. They're not yeah, so the Sadducees are essentially the the um, the ruling class mm-hmm. in terms of the uh, the temple worship, right? right? So they're they're the ones who are actually kind of associated with the priestly line. At this point, I don't think most of them are actually in the priestly line, mm. but they you know rule in the temple. They they're kind of the authorities, and that name may come from the word righteous in mm-hmm. Hebrew. People aren't totally sure about this, but um, that may be the idea. They're the righteous ones. Right. The Pharisees were sort of at odds with the Sadducees. Right. So the, the word Pharisee comes from the word to separate. So they were separatists. They were trying to you know, purify and do the right thing. So they stressed piety and observed the Mosaic law, right. and they really held to a lot of oral tradition. Right. About So when, when Jesus is attacking these oral traditions like in the Gospel of Matthew, mm-hmm. a lot of that is that Pharisaic teaching. Right. And Actually, makes that, the Pharisees make sense coming out of the Maccabean Revolt because they were all about doing the right thing and following God's law to a T, and, you know, that yeah. makes sense, you know? So Yeah, and those who are in power are associated with some of this, you know, co- conquest of different, you know, groups. And, right, yeah. <laughs> so they're trying to, to purify and do the right, right. thing. And they really were populist. They were the people loved the Pharisees. I mean, why not, right? Yeah. I mean, I mean they, they stood up for the truth. They were the ones right. who stood on their traditions and stuff. So right. in a lot of ways, it's easy for us to be like, oh, don't be a Pharisee. Pharisee is a bad word. Right. But when Jesus came along, it wasn't a bad word. Right. Yeah. These guys were these guys were the real deal. They were, I mean, they were following God's yeah. law and stuff. Right, exactly. And obviously, like, it deteriorates in illegalism and stuff like that. But of course, like, yeah. Oh, that's the big thing we see in the New Testament, but... Yeah, of course, it, it but totally in terms of the eyes of the people, right? Like, exactly. man, these guys are—they're way better than I am as an right. old person, you know. Right. And so when Jesus is saying, "You have to actually exceed the righteousness of the Pharisees," right. I mean, that's 
that's stunning for them. Right. Yeah. So, uh, sorry, going back to the history, though, mm-hmm. um, the Romans conquered the, the Holy Land in AD 64. Mm-hmm. So General Pompey comes in and, and conquers everything and takes over. And so that's how we see, you know, when we're getting into the story of Jesus, we see that the Roman emperor is the one calling for the census. Right. So it's now Roman rule. And, uh, and they put Herod the Great in authority as a king. Now, just a quick comment on Herod, because that the name Herod comes up a bunch. So right. we see it in the birth story of Jesus, and then we see it in his crucifixion, and then we mm-hmm. see it with the apostles. And so you might think, man, this guy's like 200 years old. <laughs> you know, I mean, he just keeps living. So these are different Herods. Right. So Herod the Great is the one we see at the birth narrative. He died not too long after. And then, you know, he. there are other Herods that come from his line after the fact. And right. so they're often just referred to as Herod. Historically, we would refer to them by, you know, Herod Antipas, things like that. Right. But anyway, so so that's sort of a basic sketch of the history. Again, there's so much more we could say, 400 years, but this gives you hopefully a little bit of what's happening. Now, the question is, what came as a result of all of this? Mm-hmm. So why is this so important? Well, the... This allowed this this you know time in history, especially the coming of the Roman Empire, allowed the gospel to be spread easily. Right. The Romans came with well, starting with Alexander the Great, he came with a common language. So this is a massive empire. By the time it's the Romans, I mean it is a huge empire, and everyone in that empire has a common language. Not everyone speaks the same language necessarily, but wherever you go, you can speak Greek. That's right. the common language. And if you're a merchant or, or whatever, you're going to have that language in common. So a lot of people were bilingual, trilingual. Yeah. I think Jesus was probably spoke Greek and Aramaic. It's a unique time in history. Yeah. yeah. So so you're able to get around it quickly. Not only that, but there's a system of roads put in place by the Romans. So yep. travel is much easier. Mm-hmm. There's also what's called the, the Pax Romana, <coughs> the, the Roman peace. So after they conquered the world or the you know the major part of the world... There was a long-lasting peace of about 100 years. There were you know, little things here and there, but when it, times are peaceful, you can travel easily. Right. If people are at war, you're going to stay in your area. Right. So that peace that was brought by the Romans allowed the gospel to go out. Mm-hmm. And not only that, but the synagogue system was set up some, somewhere. We don't know exactly where, but somewhere in that 400-year time period. The synagogue system, which essentially is, you know, instead of going to worship at the temple only, they developed little, like like we think of churches, right, where teaching happens. It's not sacrifices, but teaching happens in this local context. And so as this uh, diaspora of Jews went out across the world, they would set up synagogues. Mm-hmm. So in these major metropolitan areas all over the world, by the time that Paul's going around, there are gr- populations of Jews who have the Old Testament, who are meeting in synagogues, right. and and Paul can go in there and open, you know, open up the Old Testament and teach about Jesus. Right. So, I mean, that's a huge opportunity for the gospel to spread. Oh yeah. So all of these things allowed for the that this shows us why it was the perfect time right. for Jesus to come. Yeah. Well, so you said uh, regulation, the fullness of time. This, yeah. This was God's moment in history to bring His Son to redeem His people. So yeah. It's, yeah, it's a really cool thing, and of all the historical things that we take for granted that God was orchestrating to lead up to this point, it's pretty pretty awesome. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and so the New Testament ends up being written in Greek, yeah. right? And so as the, as the mission of God's people is clarifying, as Jesus is coming to reach the Gentiles, mm-hmm. you see that this is preparing the way for it, that the, 
it's written in the language of the nations, right, of the Gentiles, so right. that they can have easy, easy access to it. Right. So it's an incredible gift, um, and of course, it's it's a big part of why we're we're here today. Us at the ends of the world, Santa Cruz, California, about as far as you can get from Israel, and yet we are here speaking of Jesus and sharing His Word with others. Yeah. Because of this history, so. Amen. God, God is wise, and He uh, He knows the perfect time. Awesome. Well, join us next time for uh, us starting the New Testament Daily Gospel. It's going to be an awesome year, and um, we hope you join us. We'll see you next time.